Good Sunday morning, Iowa. It's Dr. Rick Godding. Thank you very much for joining me here today on this, what is now Labor Day weekend. And that summer went incredibly quickly. That's how they go. Again, every year you get older, the time goes faster. It's funny because you sit there and it's if you if you think about it, it gets really kind of strange because your children are experiencing time differently than you are. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. I mean, if you doubt that, sit with your child for five minutes and see how antsy they get. <laughs> it's interesting. It's just a, a crazy thing about time, and I don't know why it goes faster as you get older. It doesn't seem fair because you have less of it, <laughs> and it's going by faster. But that's how it is. So last week, I spent most of the show talking about how I was definitely not leaving Carol. And sure enough, people called my office and said, I, he said on his radio show he was leaving Carol. I don't know how that happened. Um, that's a, uh, one of those mysteries about communication, how you can say one thing and people will hear the exact opposite. I'm going to be explicit here. I'm not going to go into all the detail I went last week. I have four years left on my contract at St. Anthony's. I intend to fulfill that and renew it with another multi-year contract. So we are recruiting a surgeon. I may work a little less than I'm working now, but I will still be full-time. I will still be in Carroll. I have no plans to go anywhere. I'm going to say that again. I have a four-year contract. I have four years left in a five-year contract with St. Anthony's. I intend to fulfill that contract and will almost certainly negotiate a another multi-year contract after that. So, again, I'm not sure how uh, what I said last week could have been misinterpreted, but things happen. People sometimes hear bits and pieces. Maybe they're distracted while they're listening. Uh, but just to be explicit about that. So it is time of year that I always say, you know, there are certain times of the year. We have a huge farming community, obviously, in the area and all around Iowa, obviously. So this is the just getting ready to do the harvest. I would say if you have especially shoulder or knee pain and especially, especially shoulder pain, that has been going on for longer than six months, you should get in at minimum and see your primary care doc. And really, if you've had any treatment before, I would get in to see an orthopedic surgeon and I'll tell you why. So I've used this analogy before is you would not let your combine wheel squeak and squeak and squeak and squeak and just not pay attention to it and say, well, I'm just going to tough it out. And then it breaks down in the middle of the field, in the middle of the planting or middle of the harvest, and it costs you dearly. It is the same thing, mostly with the shoulder. The knee, I mean, you could always kind of tough that through, and in the end, you know, you have the same options. Like, So if you have pain in your knee, if you're over 40, certainly over 50, and then, of course, over 60, over 70, it just increases, likely you have some arthritis. Sometimes you'll have a little bit of arthritis. Now, arthritis, again, is the breakdown in the... Uh, cartilage at the end of the bone. So like at the end of the chicken or a pig bone where the joint is, you can feel the soft cartilage there. That is what breaks down in arthritis. Once you get past 40 or 50, pretty much everybody has arthritis. 
to some degree. Now, you may also have a tear in what's called the meniscus. The meniscus is, well, there's two menisci, one on the inside of the knee, one on the outside. When I say on the inside and the outside, so the part where the end of the femur meets the top of the tibia is the knee joint. The inside of the knee would be the part of the knee that faces the other knee, and the outside of the knee would be the opposite of that. Each one of those has a little compartment, and what that consists of is the femur has two what we call condyles. So again, just look at the end of a chicken or a pig bone. You can see it's the exact same architecture. There's a, these two condyles, and in between there's sort of a little gap. In those condyles, on the one side is the femur bone, on the other side is the tibia bone, which is the shin bone. And in between there, there's a meniscus, one on the inside, one on the outside. And it is, it acts, it sort of looks like a gasket, like if you cut a gasket in half. And it's an extra piece of cushion. Now there are times, even when you're older, like me or older, <laughs> that the meniscus is torn and you can go in with a scope and take out the torn part of the meniscus. It's a 10 minute surgery and the recovery is pretty quick. And that is definitely something worth looking into. And as that goes along, you get arthritis. And the way we treat arthritis, typically we start with the, the Motrin, anti-inflammatory medications, things like that. Some people can take Tylenol. You can take Tylenol and Motrin at the same time. Motrin is an anti-inflammatory, which works not just on the pain, but in the, on the inflammation that is caused by the arthritis. Inflammation is just swelling. Inflammation inside the joint causes fluid buildup. And... Eventually, if you have arthritis and it continues to hurt and we've given you anti-inflammatory medications and that didn't really work, then the next step typically is injections. There's a couple different mainstays for injection. One is the cortisone, which is again a powerful local anti-inflammatory. So when you take Motrin, it, it decreases inflammation all throughout your body by inhibiting the cells that put out the inflammatory markers, which then talk to the tissues and create the swelling. So the Motrin will decrease inflammation and the pain. The Tylenol only affects the pain. So, you know, you can use them together. Of course, taking Tylenol and Motrin every single day for years on end, of course, like anything else, can cause trouble. Uh, Tylenol is rough on the liver and Motrin is rough on the stomach. And then there are other types of medicines that are gentler on the stomach that are in the category of an anti-inflammatory. Again, Tylenol is just a pain reliever. Motrin, Naproxen, that kind of drug is an anti-inflammatory. So pain and inflammation are reduced. There's another category. Those are called COX-1 inhibitors. So cyclooxygenase is the enzyme that is blocked by the pathway of, of the synthesis of that enzyme, the production of that enzyme is blocked by Motrin. So cyclooxygenase 1, COX-1 inhibitor, that's Motrin. Cyclooxygenase 2 inhibitors are, you may have heard of Celebrex. Celebrex is a cyclooxygenase 2 inhibitor, so that decreases the inflammation, but it does not affect the stomach lining. And the way that the cyclooxygenase 1 inhibitors like Motrin affect the stomach lining is they inhibit 
what's called prostaglandin synthesis. And prostaglandins are the molecules that line the stomach and keep the, the stomach's own acid from eating against the stomach walls, stomach and the, just the first part of the small intestine. And so the cyclooxygenase 2 inhibitors were created for people who cannot tolerate. If you've had an ulcer, we don't really like to give you Motrin. So we can give you the Celebrex, which is the cyclooxygenase 2 inhibitor. So that's sort of your first stop for really shoulder and knee pain. And then the next thing would be injections, kind of in both areas. The corticosteroid injections or steroid injections we can use in the shoulder and the knee, and they reduce inflammation and pain locally as opposed to, like I was talking about before, where Motrin does it broadly throughout the body. So if you take Motrin for your knee pain, it's going to help your back. But if you get an injection into your knee with cortisone, that's just going to help the knee because it's very localized. So that would be the next pathway in the treatment. And then if that doesn't work in the shoulder or the knee, you know, you've had therapy, you've had anti-inflammatory medications, you've had injections, then we start looking towards surgery. Now in the knee, again, sometimes you can have a meniscus tear, but if you have a meniscus tear and you have arthritis and your problem is pain, typically we do not want to go in and take that meniscus out because by taking that meniscus out, we're actually taking out some of the cushion. And if you take out the cushion between the two arthritic bone ends, so the joint is the ends of the two bones. So if you take out the meniscus, you're by definition, you're taking out part of the cushion and then you're rubbing those two uh, diseased bone ends with the cartilage, which is damaged by the arthritis. You're taking that cushion out and so those bone ends are rubbing together at a higher pressure. So the contact forces between them are higher, so it hurts more. So we used to take out a meniscus in a patient who had arthritis just for pain. And they did some studies, and they actually did a study once where they did half the patients. They took a bunch of patients with knee arthritis and a meniscus tear. Half the patients, they just poked holes in their knees, and the other half the patients, they did the arthroscopy. So the arthroscopy, you poke a couple holes in the knees, you put the scope in, you take out the torn part of the meniscus. So half of them got just holes poked, and they knew. I mean, this was a study that everybody knew that there was a 50-50 chance whether they would get just the holes poked in their knees or actually the surgery. And as it turned out, at 18 months, there was no difference between the people who had just had the holes poked in the knees and who had had the surgery. Now, again, to be very clear, I want to be very clear, I'm only talking about a meniscus tear in a patient who has underlying arthritis. If you have a meniscus tear and you do not have arthritis, uh, taking out part of the meniscus is an excellent operation and usually will give medium to long-term results. So we think in terms of years. So if you are 25 and you have a torn meniscus and we take part of the meniscus out, you're going to be good for years and years, probably decades. If you're 55 and you don't have much arthritis, you're going to have some at 55. I've just not seen hardly ever a knee at 55 that didn't have some arthritis. So when you take out the meniscus, if you have just the tiniest little hint of arthritis, 
usually you can get some good years out of that operation. But if you have arthritis that's pretty clear on the x-ray and you have narrowing of the joint space and you take the meniscus out, you're likely to get worse. So I don't do that anymore. I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that a meniscus surgery is not a good surgery. It's an excellent surgery for the right patient. The right patient has no arthritis. So after that, the next step would be a knee replacement. Of course, you can do a partial knee replacement if only part of your knee is worn out. But most people, I find, their knee is worn out in at least two of the three compartments, and then you do a total knee replacement. With respect to the shoulder, it's much more important, I believe, to get in and get evaluated for shoulder pain faster. If you are over 40 and you've had six months of shoulder pain, you should get in to see an orthopedic surgeon. You know, again, this program on WHO reaches the whole state. So I'm talking to people who, you know, your local orthopedic surgeon, go see that person if you've had shoulder pain for more than six months, because typically it's going to be one of two things. It's going to be shoulder arthritis where the joints worn out or a rotator cuff tear, rotator cuff being the tendons that move the shoulder around. If you have a rotator cuff tear that is partial you know, usually we treat that with therapy. If it doesn't get better, we now have the Regenentin patch, which again, I had in my shoulder because I had a partial thickness tear. I was at the point where I couldn't do a push-up. I had the Regenentin two and a half years ago. And my shoulder is, I mean, it's better than it's been in a decade. I won't say it's perfect because it's still a little pain when I sleep and I have to be a little careful in the gym when I'm lifting really heavy. But guess what? I'm in the gym lifting really heavy. This was a day surgery. It takes about 20 minutes, 25. Uh, I was back in the operating room in 10 days doing surgery, and I've never looked back. It took about four months for the pain to fully go away, but I've just never looked back. But the problem is if you continue to tear that rotator cuff and you say, oh, you know, it's just a little pain. I'm going to deal with it. And you keep going, your rotator cuff can tear all the way through. If it tears all the way through, then you have to put anchors in the bone and tie the cuff down to the bone like like a tent stake. Um, And then you're in a sling for six weeks and you can't lift anything heavy for six months. Now, if you wait and wait and wait, you can miss the opportunity to do that. And once you have a a tear in the rotator cuff where most of the tendon is gone, then you have a couple of other options, three primary ones, but there's, there's more, but I'll just kind of focus on the three primary ones. One would be to do what's called a superior capsular reconstruction. And that's where we take a human graft and we go from the top of the socket to the top of the ball. We hold the ball down where it's supposed to be. And most people will return to pain-free normal function. And those are now lasting They have about an 80% chance of lasting 10 years is what the latest data says. It's a great, great operation. The other option is if you can't take the time off to recover, we can put a balloon in there. We just put a scope in, put a balloon in between the the top of the shoulder, uh, the top of the humerus, the ball part, and then the acromion, which is the, the bone just above that. We put that balloon in. And that usually will last two years or more. And so I've, ha- I've got some patients that I've done that for who just for whatever reason could not take the time off to do the superior capsule reconstruction. The hope is that that balloon will hold that shoulder down so that when they're 
done with their career in two or three years and they're going to retire, we can then still do the superior capsular reconstruction. If, however, you wait longer and your humeral head starts to ride up towards the acromion bone, the only solution you will have is a reverse total shoulder replacement where we put the ball where the socket lives and put the socket where the ball lives. We switch the anatomy of the shoulder. The reason that we do that is because it holds the shoulder down unless the deltoid, which is the muscle that you're able to touch on the outside of your shoulder, compensate for the rotator cuff, which are the muscles you can't see or feel because they're deep down. It's a great operation for the right patient. The right patient is someone who never wants to lift over 30 pounds again in their life. So this is why I say it's a, it's a great window of time because the longer you wait on a shoulder, to some degree on a knee, but especially on a shoulder, the longer you wait, the bigger the surgery gets that you're eventually going to have to have. And the tougher the rehabilitation is and the less predictable it is and the less active you're going to be able to be after the surgery. So don't just say, oh, it hurts, but I'm just going to power through it. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be stoic. That's not, that's not it, not for the shoulder or the knee really, but especially the shoulder. So right now we have a little bit of a gap of time before planting starts. I'm speaking to the farmers. Everybody else, you should just get in. But right now I know the farmers have a situation where they have to deal with it. You could get in, get your shoulder looked at, do the surgery right after the harvest, and you'd be ready for spring planting with a shoulder that's working good as new. Well, okay, maybe not good as new, but a lot better than it is. Same with the knee. If you're really struggling with your knee and you end up needing a knee surgery, if you get it done right after the harvest, you will should be really ready to go at the time of planting. So that's what I would say is, again, get in wherever you live. Uh, get in to see an orthopedic surgeon. If you're not a farmer, then you should do it whenever you can. Uh, um, if you are a farmer, now is a perfect time to slip in before the harvest, get the appointment, get the workup, get the MRI if it's necessary, and then plan for a surgery right after the harvest and then be ready to go in the spring for planting. So once again, I'm going to reiterate what I said at the beginning of the show because my last show, I talked all about how I'm not leaving Carol, that some people had asked about it. I explained that my family has moved back to Des Moines, but that I'm out here Monday through Thursday. I can... I do not see that changing anytime soon. I have four more years on my contract with St. Anthony. I do not, I totally expect to fulfill that contract and ask for a multi-year contract, negotiate for that at the end of that. So I intend to be here for the rest of my career. I do not intend to go anywhere and uh, I can't be any more explicit or put a finer point on it. <laughs> Uh, we, we are recruiting a second surgeon. I think it's going to be a great thing. We're going to work very well together, and I'm going to be here. So with that, have a wonderful rest of your Labor Day weekend, and uh, have a blessed week, Iowa.